0: Hey, that's right. Geeksters is back. Episode 190 coming at you right now. Hey, today we're going to talk about Exchange Server, the woes of Exchange Server migration, and also something called SIPA filter. Never heard about it before until August. This is what they say is the cat's meow. SIPA filter and Exchange Server migration coming up next on Geeksters. Hey everybody, this is Martin Abando, the host of Geeksters. Welcome to another show of Geeksters, episode 190. This is a show where we talk about all things tech. Smartphones, Androids, Roku devices, Xbox. Haven't really talked about Xbox too much yet, but that's coming. And then just kind of what it's like in the real world. Real world stories from the tech, from the trench, from the tech. Both will work just fine. Before we get any further, thank you for listening to Geeksters and Podnuts Pro, the Mini PC Show, MRP Tech, um, the the day, the Diary of a Madman. That's Steve Gib- that's Steve Gibson's. That's Steve McLaughlin's new podcast, Door to Door Geek. Check it out. Um, that's just him talking, and it's a great, great show. If you listen to any of those shows and you like the Podnuts Network, please head over to Podnuts.com, top right hand corner button that says Support Podnuts. Please, 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 just give a dollar two bucks a month. I mean, if you are like me in the Pacific Northwest, coffee at a minimum is $4 here. So if you can spare a couple extra dollars to just throw towards the PodNuts Network, that's going to help us out. None of that gets back to me. That is all just kind of administrative stuff because if, if you have ever, ever, ever met Door to Door Geek, you'll know that he is a hardworking man and he puts his just... Full heart into the Podnuts network to keep it going, and he does all of the back stuff for the Geeksters, and I totally appreciate him. And I just want to say thank you, Dor, if you're listening to the show, for everything you've done for Podnuts, everything you've done for Geeksters, just all around. The next time I see you, which I hope is soon because I haven't seen you in a while, you got a high five and a hug coming, and I'll even buy you a beer. All right, hey, thanks for hanging with me on Geeksters. Um, I know that it's been up and down, up and down, up and down, more down than up, I would say. So this is, I'm recording the show on Saturday, October 21st. The last show I went back and looked was 189 and that was in April of 2017. So this is October, April. So we're looking at just over seven months and you guys have hung with me and I've heard stories of, hey, when's it coming back? We'd love to hear you again. And my life's been just kind of crazy. Uh, we've just had some up and downs, and if you've listened to uh, any of the shows, you've uh, you've you've heard that you've you've known that that uh, I started my computer company six years ago, just went out on my own, um, took a leap, didn't have the uh, I just was supported completely by my family, and didn't have the uh, quick need of we have to make X amount of dollars before um, so we can keep basically the family going. My wife has a stable job and and pays well, and I was able to do that well. I'm not tooting my own horn here, but when you're a good tech, and everybody here knows that, you just get more and more business because everybody, everybody, everybody recommends you. So I just grew and grew and grew, and at the time I was growing, and I was man, it was manageable, the honest, you know, just totally manageable. And then it hit a point where it it became unmanageable and I needed some more help. So I ended up hiring a gentleman and that lasted for about uh, 13 months, 15 months, and it, it just didn't work out well. great guy, but just it didn't work out well. Well, by that time I had already added more clientele, and this would have been in um, March of 2016. Um, that kind of everything just kind of just stopped and unfortunately he, he went his own way. Um, I ended up with a whole bunch more clients and yet still just me. So I remember the day that I got a call from a good friend of mine who I had worked with for many, many, many years and actually trained him in some of his business uh, where he currently was. And he was an IT director of a local school district and things weren't going very well for him. And so he reached out to me and said, hey, do you have anything? And I said, oh, (laughs) this is a great time to contact me. And so we started talking and we kind of went, we went back and forth for a while and, um, just that would have been March of twenty sixteen, like I said, and and things just kinda didn't really do do much. Actually, no, that would have been March of twenty seventeen. I apologize. So this was all March of twenty seventeen. Um and we kind of hummed and hawed for a while and, and nothing really happened and, and um there were some financial needs that he needed and there were some financial needs that I couldn't um I couldn't give him um just being a small business. Well it kind of just sat on the back burner for a while. Well, then we ended up getting together again and talking some more and actually laying out some physical numbers and it looked like things were going to work. So in the end of July of this month uh, of this year, excuse me, I proposed a proposal to him. I gave him a a job offer and I said, here's what I can do for you. And he accepted. And I said, great. And I knew that he needed to give so much time at the school district because this was summer and you know, the school district's coming back in play in September and, um, and I said, so from what I remember you telling me is that you wanted to spend a month with your, with a new person. So you're looking at like September 30th to come on board. And he said, nope. <laughs> he said, I'm done. Turn in his two weeks, like the next Monday. And uh, if not, <clears throat> excuse me, if not that day, and uh, that didn't go over very well, but by that time he had been burned so bad. And so, and for, and so good, f- bad for the school, excellent for me, I was able to bring on a friend that I had known for probably eight to 10 years Guy's super smart. Um, he's got a business mind, which is which I don't have. So we're we're working on on that right now. But uh, so that brings us up to to August of uh, of this year, and at that time, I had just brought on a big client. So uh, we, we ended up working with this client. And now this is kind of where, where I wanted to spend some of the a majority of the show. But that kind of catches, catches you up with, with where wh- what happened with me, with just um, had an employee, didn't have an employee, work kept growing, which is great. I, I love my clients and I love that work was increasing and it was all organic. And I'm, I'm just now starting to feel the need to get out there and uh, make some Kind of cold calls, not really cold calls, but you know, go out there and advertise some more. So I'm going to be start. I'm going to start looking over to uh, the the Matt uh, Matt Rodella and the business podcast, and talking to him and figuring out what's the best way and looking at some of his resources about the best way of getting out there and actually. Um, you know, marketing some more, because that's not something, like I said, that's not something I've had to do, and I think as a small business, you rely a lot on word of mouth, and that can only take you so far, and I've reached that, and I'm I'm totally thrilled that after six years, I've gotten, I mean, word of mouth has carried me through for almost six years. It'll be six years next month, in less than a month. It'll be six years since I started this job full-time, uh, and I'm, I'm thrilled with all my clients. I'm thrilled with all of the support that they give me and all of the recommendations that they give me um, but you can only you can only recommend so much, and as much as I love hearing my name out there, <laughs> most people probably are tired of hearing about how great I am. So I have to prove to them, and I go out and show them. So I'm excited about uh, bringing on new customers and clients. So we I brought on a new client in the beginning of of August, and uh, maybe maybe the end of September. And, uh, we we started working with them and and I met with their IT guy their original IT guy and he said he was just it was just time for him to move on so that's what what was gonna what was gonna happen and uh, so we we get to we get talking and and we have a meeting and he says so here's here's a company and it's a it's a fairly large construction company here in the in the in Portland area, and they have an offshoot branch in Kirkland, Washington, which is just outside of Salem, so it's kind of, or so, sorry, Seattle, it's on the other side of the river, uh, f- uh, the lake in Seattle, uh, kind of east side, and so they have a site up there, they've got a site down here, and uh, they. I said, well, how much, you know, what, what is, how much tech have you been doing here, what does it look like, and he said, you know, it's a couple, couple hours a month, and I said, oh, okay, so it's pretty, pretty well stable then, and he goes, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty good, I'm like, okay. So we get talking and, and he, he says, yeah, I, th- I think that Martin's going to be a good good fit. Um, a band of computing is going to be a good fit for you. And he hands me off to the company. And I say, great. Well, so now what I need to do is come in and do a site survey, look at the computers, make sure, you know, just, just the general stuff that I would do, look at the network. Um, and I get in there and I instantly I start seeing some red flags. And this isn't... Uh, I, I just think that I'm not... I don't want to, to bash on this tech and, and I'm not sure if this was just... Old school way of doing things or or what but um certain red flags were that they had ports um, 3389 open up to their server 3390 was going to one of the owner's computers 90 3392 was going to another computer like they had five rdp ports open and they were going to specific computers i was like well okay so first off you know we we need to we need to make sure that we we cancel all of that so we're we were actually in the process of looking at moving to them to a new router because what they wanted to do was they also wanted to integrate their Kirkland office to their Portland office. And I thought great, we'll switch everything over to WatchGuard and because they just had these um Ubiquiti Edge routers. And and the, the Ubiquiti Edge routers were are decent routers, but they don't do a lot of things. They're pretty they're just the one that they had, the light one, I think it was just a low it, it just didn't do what we wanted it to do. We could like, and that would be essentially the point-to-point business VPN. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but, but then it was out of warranty. So it was time to just kind of maybe move on. So I started looking at everything. And I'm like, well, we, we need to start shutting these down. And I'm asking, you know, do we, do we need the ports open for uh, the server? And they said, yes, that is how the Kirkland people get in. So the, So the people in Kirkland will RDP to the server and access the shared data that the company uses. Okay, so we need to fix that, but I can't fix that right now because I'll be cutting them off. So I start looking at the owners' computers, and and as I'm doing this, one of the owners' computers is saying, "Hey, I'm my computer's just running really slow, and I and I and I don't know why." So I, I start looking at it a little bit more, and uh, and I and I run some cleanup tools on it, and and. Um, that's, that fixes a little bit. It had like four gigs of Ram. So we definitely added more Ram to the computer. And and I said, how's that working now? And he's like, well, you know, it's, it's, you know, okay. So I start digging deeper and, and during the process of adding Ram, what's, what, what I'm noticing is that when I log off of him, there's all of these other logins and I'm thinking, okay, well that just, you know, okay, maybe there's other people who use this computer. And this, I was I was pretty new at this time at this company. And so I asked him, and when he was back in the office, and he says, no, no, nobody else uses his computer. So I go to log into one of these sites, and the account is is blocked. And I'm like, well, that's, that's weird. So I go to the domain controller. Those accounts don't exist on the domain controller. So I log into his computer again. His computer's not on the domain. So what was happening was, is that he had the same password as, oh, by the way, local on-prem exchange server. So when email... Freaked out. They would just change the password, which is okay, I guess. I mean, they. I mean, I just was finding out about all this, and so the the local password was the same as the domain password. His his Exchange credentials. So it just passed the information through. So we, one time we had to okay. So let me go back to the log into his computer, notice all these accounts, and then come to find out what happened was is, is we changed his password because of all these accounts, and then his computer doesn't. Work and that's why how I found out that everything was weird. Like I'm just as I'm going through this process, I'm just finding these these. I'm, I'm making i I'm, I was making assumptions. Things like the computers were all joined to the domain, and as I'm going through the, the the onion is unfolding, and I'm seeing these different layers of issues, and I'm quickly realizing that the two hours a month that they have been asking for support is not is not going to hold right now because we have a lot of things that need to get done, and. Um, I'm, I'm just writing down all of these notes as I'm going through this process and, and uh, come to find out. So, his computer, because it had RDP open to it, somebody was able to get into it and they were running a Bitcoin mining tool. So, quickly start shutting things down. Uh, and then his computer's not on the domain. But it wasn't just his computer. As I went through and found, there was a good another three other computers that weren't on the domain so on a weekend i had to come i didn't i was able to do it remotely but i would join their computer to the main and then run that profile wizard application and we've talked about this application before um from friends it it's a domain migration so it's a prof it's called ProfWiz uh, or user profile wizard and what it can do is is when you join a computer to the domain now when you log in as that user um, you know, Mo Bando. Now you have two profiles, right? You have Mo Bando on the local account, and you have Mo Bando on the domain account. So when you do this, what you can do then is log in as the domain. <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and then um, just run this prof wizard, point to the old profile, and it will move everything for you. Reboot the computer, and you're back up and running with the old profile copied over to the new profile. So that works really good um, in Windows Seven. I think this works on. Eight, yeah, eight and ten. So in XP, you would go in and just point, repoint the registry, and I remember doing that. But this works really good, so um, I'll put this in the show notes. So I do that on his computer and the other owner's computer. We finally get things locked down um, that way. But I still can't lock down the RDP session. Well, as I start looking around the servers, and now, and now, when I'm telling you this story, don't think that I'm just going. This everything's happened kind of uh, in in multiple different. Ways, because as I'm, I may be looking at his computer. I'm also looking at the server and noticing server. So it's not me just going like one, two, three, four. I'm kind of doing all of this at the same time when you do, um, when you're when you're kind of roaming around. Um, but for the sake of the story, I can't tell you in multiple levels. Levels, I have to kind of just go through the through the through the list. So one of the things I also found out was that the servers had not been updated in over a year and a half. That's right, no Windows updates, no patches, nothing. One year, one point five years, and. And thirty three eighty nine was open to the servers. Remember, so all right. So start getting things. Start start working on some stuff. Um, once I finally <clears throat> once I finally get the watch guard in, uh, I'm able to. But now still thirty three eighty nine is open even after the watch guard gets put in place because that's one of the first things we get doing um, is. Is with that WatchGuard, I'm I'm able to look at some stuff. But also, when I have a company join me, I we do their managed antivirus. Um, so I put on my managed antivirus um, right now. It's the Solar ones, which used to be GFI, and it's the same one that I've been using for years. Well, that has something in there that allow you to see failed logons, uh, logon attempts. And about this time, once we got that on there, and I started watching it because was, um, you know, that was what I was there to do that day was put on my managed antivirus. We um I started noticing somewhere between seven to eight thousand hits a day, which which is not a lot compared to what it could be, um hits a day on the server, and it's just and it they were all external, uh, just and trying admin and password and monkey and I mean root and you know every possible combination of of you know username and passwords. I think they were just trying to hit the server, so put that on there, and but we had to let. Th- we 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 were trying to figure out the thirty three to nine issue still and and the people in Kirkland needed access, so we just had to let it sit for a little bit until we come up with another idea. Well the other idea was we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna put another watch guard up in Kirkland and we're going to do a point-to-point VPN. So it's like, okay. So but while we're doing that, the other thing we need to do was make sure all the computers are up to date. So went around, hit all the computers, make sure they're they're all up to date and getting going, found another computer that wasn't on the domain, get him up and running. They were having passwords issues because the passwords would change, but then they would change on the local machine, which then wouldn't pass the credentials to the local exchange server. Um, And then we ended up doing a exchange migration. Now, I've always told myself I'm not very good at the exchange migration. And the last time I did a major exchange migration, I actually outsourced it to a company that I work with uh, for Microsoft and they did it. So over the weekend, everything was good. They kept the same domain name. Now, and, and it worked just fine. So come Monday, come in, we had to just put in some passwords. We were up and running, no problem. In the past, what I've done is this. And, and, and the reason this worked so well is because they were actually changing email addresses. So <clears throat> I would go into a company, and the company would have a POP email server, and the, the domain would be 123.com. But what they want to do is they want to go to a Hosted Exchange, and they want the domain to be XYZ.com. So we would go in, I would create all of the email accounts on xyz.com on the hosted exchange server, and they would go from computer to computer and in the same profile, add xyd.com to their profile, and then we would drag all the email within the Outlook profile from 123.com into xyz.com. It takes time, but we would just, you know, you drag your sent items, your calendars, your contacts, um, all your inbox, all your folders, and it just it just works. And then when you have a pop-up that says we need the password for... 123.com, you say, no, I'm not using that anymore, and you cancel it, and after a while, you go back in, and you just close out that account, or you just kill that, that uh, account. Well, if you're transferring from abc.com to abc.com, that gets a little tricky, and this is where I learned something. Um, I learned that I'm not good at this. I learned that there are other people out there who can do this better, faster, um, stronger. so we tried to implement the same process and it didn't go so well it worked it's working now but there was a lot of time and energy put into this which it could have been done a lot simpler and this goes back to something that Dor mentioned to me many many years ago and uh, it still rings true to this day is do what you do well and let other people do what they do well and what i mean by that is i'm not an exchange host admin I can run Exchange servers. I can run, and I know how what they're doing, and I understand how they work. But when it comes to migration, that's not something I do well. And I went into this company and I said, "Hey, well, yeah, we can do this for you, no problem." Da da da, with the cape on, invincible, and not so much. <clears throat> so I was very humbled by this experience to realize that that's just not something I do well. And and we and I and it's fixed and it's working now, but we had so many issues with it because what would happen was we'd get a pop-up for abc.com. Now is that abc.com locally or abc.com in the cloud? And which one worked and what didn't work? And then data kind of didn't get moved correctly. And just, you know, things just didn't go as smooth as it could have. Now, going back, what could I have done better? One, I could have, should have, I could have, should have done it this way. I should have gone into, and this isn't a huge client. This is maybe, shoot, I don't know, maybe 20 mailboxes. So time, yes, but not not crazy amount of time. Uh, what I should have done was this. Gone into the Exchange server and exported everybody's PST. Okay, now I have a copy of everybody's PST somewhere, whether it's on the server, whether it's on a thumb drive, you know, what, what, whatever, it doesn't matter. And then gone into each everybody's email, created a brand new profile to the new hosted Exchange and imported the PST in. That would have done that would have been a lot smoother and a lot easier to do. Okay. The other option would have been hire somebody to do it. Hire somebody who knows what they're doing, who messes with exchange servers all the time and and gone that route. So, as I'm as I'm thinking about this, I have another customer and I'm working with a school that <coughs> me and a and hope <coughs> excuse me, me and a whole bunch of other people are working with, um, because the, the school that my daughter goes to is actually moving to another location. We'll come to find out they have an on-prem Exchange 2010 server, and we want to move them, start moving them, and it's a consensus of this team of people to we need to probably start moving them into the cloud. They do the grades in the cloud, they do data in the cloud. Let's start moving Hosted Exchange in the cloud. Whether we're going to go to Hosted Exchange or whether we're going to go to Google, it doesn't matter. So if we're going to go to Hosted Exchange, which would be my preference because they do use calendaring a lot. Um, I've spoken about that in the past because I use, I have a Google, I support Google Schools, um, so would be to go to hosted Exchange. That and we're going to have to either hire somebody, but there's an, also another person who he said he was an Exchange admin, and I will defer my skills to him. So, um, I, I just, you know. Takeaway of this whole whole lesson, and and this two hours per month became huge, and we're just now to this spot where we are at almost two hours a month working with them. Um, I'm I'm gonna they're gonna be needing more work as it comes out, um, but but it's just maintenance right now. But they still have a, a server that is still. 160 some updates back and when I run the 160 some updates all in one batch what happens is it airs out rolls back and it takes hours and I had them down for a day unfortunately so I get in there and I'll do the server and I'll do like tomorrow I'll I'll probably do three updates reboot three updates reboot three updates reboot because if I find one that airs out then it just rolls back only three updates and I'm going to bit pieces out so that's um that's that story. Um, we've been we've been working with them. They expected X amount of dollars. They didn't realize how kind of behind the times we, they were. We've uh, we've put in the watch guard locally. Um, oh yeah. So once we put in the watch guard locally, and then we went up to Kirkland and we put in the watch guard up there, and we got everybody hooked up up there. And then we did the point to point. Um, business VPN between the two. So now Kirkland can access the server securely. That number, that's seven to eight. <clears throat> I went to them and I said, the number that I was having you before and I was showing them the seven to 8,000 hits per day on their server went down to like 23. 23 the first day and then it's been zero. So if you have products that work really, really well and, and you know they're gonna work well, it's a great thing to do is to say, here's where you're broken. Here's why you're broken, and kind of show them like a before and after to justify that, because it's really hard to go in and say, "I really want to put in this new product, um, and 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 it's going to work." But I I don't know how to show. I don't have a way of showing it to you right yet. We have to. Do you have to trust me that it's going to work? And I think building that trust within the clients is is really really good. Um, It's 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 important. It's the core of having a small business is the trust of your clients. Now, this customer was taken back unfortunately with the finances because what was supposed to happen and what was said and what really was needed and what was done were two different things so we've kind of my partner um so so Derek who I hired on um and I have been talking a lot about this and how can we repay back our customers so we called them this week um last week last week I guess <clears throat> and we said hey here's what we want to do we want to give you guys a pizza party it sounds cheesy but he's like nah you don't have to do that we're like no we really want to give you guys a pizza party and we want to come in and um, we know it's been rough and we want to thank you for hanging with us and we want to just give you something back Um, and and just as a goodwill gesture and, and a thank you to them just as much as they thanked us and he says, you know what, I want to let you guys know that we really, really trust you. We trust Obando Computing to handle our computing needs and that is worth gold in the small business to have somebody say that they really, really trust you. Because what's gonna happen is that the next time a company comes to them and they say, Hey, you know, we're having business, you know, just in conversation, the two owners are talking and all of a sudden it comes to find out that the that maybe they're having IT needs, I'm hoping to get a good referral and have somebody say, you know what, I we really, really trust a band of computing. And I'm and I'm looking forward to that. So we're on next Wednesday, we're showing up with uh, four pizzas, soda, a vegetarian pizza, and we're just having a, we're just having a pizza party we're just I'm providing them lunch and just as a way to say thank you and I think that's gonna go uh, a, a long long way so that's one story uh, the other story that that I wanted to talk to you guys about was over the summer I we've so that the schools that I handle one school has definitely more money than another and they're both private schools and so what we ended up doing was in in one school we purchased, OpenDNS, DNS, and we've had Open DNS as the as the enterprise version of it for about two years, and it's it's okay. Um, maybe even more than two years actually, and it's okay. So um, if you don't know how Open DNS works, is Open DNS sits externally from your network, and then what happens is when you you give Open DNS your IP address, and then when you make a request to xxx.com, let's say. It goes to OpenDNS, you point your DNS servers to OpenDNS. OpenDNS says, oh, based on this IP address, you know, 1.2.3.4, can you, are you allowed to get to xxx.com? Yes, no. And then it sends it back that yes, no to you. And then yes, you can, no, you can't. Then in the enterprise version, if you get a no, there's a place for an uh, an override code essentially. And so we had this override code. So if teachers need to get to not xxx.com, but another site, they would put in that code and they could get to the site. And that would bypass them through. Well, the big flaw that I've always talked about OpenDNS is that because it's externally, you just stop asking for OpenDNS. You just you just don't. <laughs> so, um, so how how did this this work in the school? Well, we're one to one Chromebooks in the school. and We have been for for many years, and so the kids would come to school, and they would have. Um are Chromebooks, and we would manage the Chromebooks, so that's the apps and what they can do with the Chromebooks and, and I've talked about that before in the past um, but then what would happen is so they, they come to school and they can't get on Facebook. then they go home and they can get on facebook and I've had multiple talks with multiple teachers and 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 actually family members and we would have these tech tech family meetings um, or and where the where the families would come in and they would and they would ask some questions about technology and one of the questions always was, hey, I know that my student can't get on Facebook at school. But as soon as they come home, they're just there on Facebook all the time. We thought you guys were managing that. And that's when I have to say, well, we manage the Chromebooks. So, they can't install apps. They can't email certain things. BMO people can't email them and all that kind of the back-end stuff. But when it comes to the content filtering, we manage the content filter here at school. But as soon as they go home, they... Can't we we can't manage your content filter? And they're like, then instantly hands went up, well, how do we fix that at home? And I'd say, Well, we can use open DNS. Here's my number, give me a call. Nobody ever called me, nobody ever wanted to get a hold of me to make those changes because they say, Well, can we make it for some for parents and some for students? And I'm like, No, it's everybody. Um, and they're like, Well, we don't want to, you know, I think that's that's the big thing, is you unless you're willing to just say, you know, all or nothing, then for open DNS. Then you it's then may not work for you. Now I use OpenDNS here at home still, and and I throw them. Good grief, it's like twelve dollars a year or twenty dollars a year something like that. They also use they also have Xmarks. Um, they bought that a long time ago, and that's a that's a that's a bookmark syncing tool. So that's kind of cool. But um, so what happened was is then over the summer uh, I was talking to another school, and they said, hey, we saw this device. We can't afford it, but we wanted to to throw it out there and see what you thought of it. And it's actually called CIPA Filter. C I p-a-f-i-l-t-e-r so if you google SIPA filter it's content sensitive content it says context sensitive content filtering for k-12 through now SIPA is a acronym for the child information uh, child information protection act i believe that's what SIPA stands for Uh, if i remember this from from when i was working in the school let me see SIPA yes the Child Children's Internet Protection Act um, and this is this is it was enacted by Congress in 2000 to address concerns about children's access to obscene and harmful content over the internet. So SIPA filter it's a Linux box and it it is actually on site. So when when I so I said well let me let me contact these people and let's get a demo. And so we we contacted them. We end up getting a demo. It's this little box. It's about the size of a of a. Of a like a the old uh, just a square PC, tiny tiny box, um, you know, not nothing too nothing too big, and uh, so we 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 put it in place and we start and I get a hold of their their tech and and at first I got to tell you at first I was not impressed because by that time Derek was with me we've both worked in education we both understand how LDAP integration works we both understand how all of that works and in in education I used Dan's Guardian. And he also used Dan's Guardian. And so how that works is that you actually have to put some stuff on each machine, and then based on the user log on, it goes to a list in the Dan's Guardian, which is Linux based. It goes to the list and it says whether yes you can do or no. You know, based on that list, you apply that list to a group, and then that allows for yes or no. So it's not it never was LDAP integration. It was based on the user passing those user credentials. So when I log into my machine as like Mo Bando, I would be I would go and I try to go to a website, and it would be denied. I'd have to go to the list. I'd have to call IT. IT would be me. Go to the list. Look at it. Oh, Emobando is not in the allowed list. Allow Emobando in that list. Done. Now, can you go to the site? Yes, because it's not, like I said, it's not referring to LDAP. It's referring to a third-party list within the Dance Guardian Linux box itself. Okay. Well, how this works is SIPA filter integrates with LDAP. So, right off the bat, I felt like this wasn't going well we got it up and running and it wasn't perfect and um but now now i'm gonna give you a secret at the end of it right now it is actually working really really good so just to so in case you're in case you're like i don't have time to hear the end of the story i hope it goes well it does it goes really really well and um it's it's actually (laughs) it's actually really cool i'm 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 excited about how well this works so let's go back in time i get on i get on the phone with their tech and we start talking about the SIPA filter and how it's gonna work. And we get it in place and we we do it, we hook it all up and and he jumps in remotely and we start I get him an IP address. So it has to be um it has to be an IP address internally. Now it doesn't it, it does phys- physically sit between your switches and your router. Okay. So uh it, it you know, so you have you have four ports on the back of the SIPA filter, zero, one, two, three. I think that's it. Zero, one, two, three. or no, one, two, three, four. Something like that. Um, so out of the router, out of your, out of you know, out of the WatchGuard that they have, WatchGuard into the into, into one or zero. I can't remember which one they have. And then out of the next one into the switches. Okay. So and then we just gave it the second IP address. So dot one is our router. Dot two is the SIPa filter. But it doesn't. You don't have to point everything to dot two. It just since it's already in place, it already does its thing. So then you go in there and you um, create groups and then you create security groups in LDAP. And then you assign teachers to like the teacher group, and you, we don't have, now here's the thing, at St. At Matthews where this is in, all of the students have, so the, the upper grade students have Chromebooks, one-to-one. So there's no way for them to authenticate because they're using Chromebooks. Now the lower grade students, some of them have Chromebooks and some of them are using a cart, but the cart is always just one username. So that's just the kid's username that, and that's not, and it's not individual. We're not, we kind of went away from the individual usernames per student when we went to Chromebooks because we didn't need that anymore. So we created a, a student group. We created a two student security group, a teacher security group. Okay. And the, 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 the couple, you know, generic logons that the students use go in the student one and all the teachers get applied to the teacher security group. And then we go into the SIPA filter and we create the groups, you know, teacher, student, and default. Now. What was happening was is is that if you do not authenticate at all. So to authenticate, you need a couple things. You need the SIPA filter cert, which was really easy to push out on Chrome. You just push it out, um, and then I push it out via Group Policy for the carts, uh, for the the laptop cart that we have. Well, what about the teachers who bring in their Macs or their phones or all that kind of stuff? There are some great walkthroughs, and it's really it was actually really really easy to do that. So, so on the so there's there's two things that need to be applied. The cert on the local machine and an app. And that app is, is helps talk as well to it. So the app and the cert pushed out via group policy. The app and the cert needed to be pushed out to like the teachers who had their like they brought in their Macs. We just went around and it was really simple. It didn't take a whole lot of time. And then the phones, you just follow the instructions. Basically, when you jump on the network and you're on the and and you're on the network, you automatically get into the default because if you don't authenticate, you go to default. Okay. Um, and so I just told people, hey, when you're here, you can go to support.cibafilter.com and it automatically redirects you to to their that webpage and. And actually, when you go to that webpage, if you don't have the cert, it tells you it says click here and you click there and you follow the instructions. Um, and so we got everybody's phones and their, their Macs because those are kind of manual things. And then I was able to push everything out, push everything else out. Um, so what was the whole goal of this when, when I was talking with SIPA filter was, hey, can we redirect students back through when they're off site to us? Basically, a proxy filter. And they said, yeah. I said excellent. That's what I want to do. So we tried this over and over and over again and we never and it never worked. And here's here's where the issue lied. And and I, it wasn't until I had gone in there with another device and tested it that I that we figured out where the issue was. So I've used OpenMesh for many years. And in the school we had a staff network that was accessed that was allowed access to the local area network for the servers and the and the you know the printers and stuff and then we had a guest network which was on its own and then we had a Chromebook network that was on its own now i wasn't too worried about the Chromebook network at the time because what happened is that the kids needed to print to the chrome to the printers that were in the school they were already they were already registered within google so you could be on an external ip address and still print to a local our, our Chromebook our chrome or google based printers internally because they were registered so it just passed all the data through and it worked out really really good and that kept the kids from being on the internal network but what was happening was is that when the kids when i when i deployed the in, the in the test network that i had when i deployed the proxy filter and i joined the the uh, Chromebook to my phone it worked great passed all the data right through to the to the proxy filter but internally it wouldn't what was happening was is open mesh was not allowing or, or SIPA filter one of the two when the students were on a Open mesh network that was not assigned to the local area network that didn't have access to the local area network, um, it would allow the, the data to be through. And I think it was because it was seeing a spoofed IP address. Because when you are just on your open mesh network device and you get from their DHCP, you're getting a 10 dot something in the slash eight range. Well, the school is on a different IP address range. And so, it would see it spoofed and block it. So, somewhere there was blocking. So, how I found this out is I brought in another wireless access point. Just your D-Link or TP-Link or TrendNet. I don't know what it was. Just one of those. I, I turned it on. I signed. Just plugged it in. Let it get DHCP on the WAN port. Gave it a 10.IP address on the LAN port. Connected my Chromebook to it. Tried to get to where I needed to go with the proxy on. Boom! Blocked proxy working just fine. So Open Mesh was not passing that traffic through for some reason. So we ended up bringing the students back into the regular network and then shutting down the Chromebook network. Now concerns for this were not very high. I had many talks with the teacher about this, and and we and I said we can do this, or or the other option would be, um, so in Open Mesh you you can assign one. SSID to the LAN or to the to the LAN network, right? To have local area access to printers and switches and all that kind of stuff. To do any more other anything else, you have to have VLANs. So I said, well, we could do this way. We could do a VLAN. We'd have to get a VLAN switch. We we do all this other kind of stuff. Um, now remember, this was working externally, but not internally. So kids would uh, at this time in testing what would happen is if you had your Chromebook in your home you would get forced through the proxy filter but when you were internal you just you didn't get in it at all it just didn't pass the traffic through so I couldn't I couldn't implement it yet because it was still broken um, so we ended up just bringing all the kids back over to the to the school network um, and then that, that what I ended up having to do was go in that day and log all of these 120 Chromebooks <laughs> with my with my employee we went around and hit all these 120 Chromebooks well actually hundred. Uh, 150 Chromebooks, and we had to put them, remove the old and add the new SSID. So now what's happening is all of the kids, um, when they're in school, they hit the default network because they can't authentic, uh, there's, there's authentication on the Chromebook because of the cert, but there's no way to pass the username through, um, which is fine. They hit the default network. And then when they go home, when they're externally, what happens is they go to the internet and they get instantly, there's a login page now there's a there's a default generic student login that we've all that we've always used and that happens to be the same one that the kids use on the laptops in-house so that username and password is already assigned to the student's security group and the students filtering group. So now when the students go home on their Chromebooks and they open it up and they get prompted with a username and password, they put that student username and that student password in the generic one in, and now they're authenticated against the student group on the SIPA filter. So externally they authenticate against the student network, internally they authenticate against the default network. So my job is to make sure that the default and the student network are the same. So whenever we make any changes, I add them to both. So that way they can access things like Khan Academy. So if I put Khan Academy in the student group, when they're home, they can access it, but when they're in the school, they can't, or vice versa. So, And it also means I have to blacklist the same group, too. So, um, we had a talk with the students on a Friday. This was, this was when it all finally, we got it working. Great, we're going to implement this right now. Because what was happening at this time is that teachers were coming to us and they're saying, we realize that we need to do some content filtering at home. Now these are not teachers, I'm sorry, some parents. And some of the parents were like, nah, we don't care. Other parents were like, Yeah, I want to do content filtering. And I can do content filtering on my MacBook and on my computer at home and on, you know, this device, but we can't do anything on the Chromebooks because you guys manage it. And they're not upset with us, they're just static effect. And we're like, Yeah. They said, So how can we fix this? And so we decided to go ahead and put in this proxy. Um had a, had, there was a, there was a, a general assembly for all the students and they were going through everything and it was really good. And then we said, okay, sixth, seventh and eighth graders, please stay back from the assembly. And so after the kindergarten through fifth graders left, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders were there and the principal introduced me and they all know who I am. So it's, it wasn't a big surprise of like, oh, that's Martin. Um, and I said, here's what's going on. We said from starting this morning, and this was, I remember this being a Friday, we said, we are now content filtering your Chromebook, even when you go home. And we had a lot of, well, what if we're in the library? What if we're... You know, what if we're at our grandparents' house? And, and well, what about this web page? What about that web page? Can we still get to Facebook? And I'm like, if you can't get it here, you can't get it at home. And and this lasted for a while. And there was there was some students who were who shook their head and they're like, oh, we're going to get around this. Because there's one kid who likes to just tweak around. And I'm like, please don't think you're going to try to get around this because I'm managing the content filter from the back end. And in Chrome, we put on the proxy and you need to lock it down. So they can't even make changes within Chrome because we manage them um, within the Chromebook. So... Um, after all of this was done and and back and forth a lot of, you know, what about this? What about that? Can we get to this website? What about that website? You know, um, one student raised her hand and she says, I don't mean to be disrespectful and I'm really sorry if this is coming across this way. I said, she said, why now? Why have you decided that now you're going to make this change? And I said, that is an excellent question. And the, the principal actually took that one over because she's the authoritative you know, she's the boss in all of this. To pretty much say why why they're doing this, I'm I'm implementing it, um, but she's the one who was who made the final call. And uh, but I thought from a from an eighth grader, that was a very good question. Like really, after everything said and done, why now? And the reason we were able to do this now, as opposed to two years ago, is that SIPA filter didn't exist. Um, I don't know what the cost is. I mean, the cost I do know because it, but it's not. I think overall, the the cost from going from OpenDNS to SIPA filter was something like $300 a year. It The the cost was so minimal compared to the benefits of this. But now that the SIPA filter is up and running, we have group set and we have, you know, content filtering set and I get reporting um, and kids still to this day. I mean, I, last night I got, you know... Is it is it the perfect filter? Of course not. Um, going into this, I told the staff because st- we had a staff meeting and I said, "Here's the here's the here's the good news, bad news about this thing. Bad news is we have to start over with all of our with all of our uh, you know whitelist and blacklist. But the good news is we get to start over with all of our whitelist and blacklist. So we get a chance to figure out what's needed, and what's not. And we've had issues where um, a, a math teacher will go to a site and the site works, but the video doesn't work. Well, where's the video? Oh, the video is being hosted through Vimeo. Okay, we need to allow Vimeo because we have to allow this, you know, this stuff. So we'd go back through and 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 over time, we we've been able to start from scratch. And I think that's a that's not a bad thing after a couple of years on a content filter in a school because you just get easy and and at the time there was other people who had access to the other content filter, and so they would just throw things in there. And now there's a lot more accountability because you can see what happens. And and if a site's blocked. So internally, now, if a site is blocked, a teacher has the right to override it. And so she can, he or she can go in there and say, I want to allow whatever uh, Khan Academy. Let's just use that. Say Khan Academy is blocked. They go in there. It's blocked. They say allow it. And they can allow it for one minute or sorry, for one hour or 15 minutes or one hour. Um, and those are presets that we can, we can do that. We can add make it four. We can make it eight. We can make all these different presets. Um, or what they can do is they'll call me or they'll send me an email and say, hey, we need to whitelist this. No problem. Go in there. Boom, boom, boom. Whitelist on the student, which is external, the default, which is internal. And we're able to get that up and running in one to three minutes. Done. So that's exciting. Um, and it's working now. It's working really, really good. And I'm super excited with it. So if you're interested in this box, it's called CIPA filter C-I-P-A Filter. They have a three a free sorry a free thirty day trial. Um, and we're just I really like it. I really like it. So that's a lot of what I've been doing with we. I mean, those are only two things, and they did take a lot of time. And we've had you know this phone issue there, and replace this phone here, and VoIP issues there, and a new site coming online. Um, next Wednesday I'm meeting with another gentleman that we're going to be looking at his um, you know his site. As a small business owner, never be afraid to talk about your business, even when it's not in business. So last weekend, I was in Southern Oregon at a band competition. Um, both my, my son and my daughter are in marching band, and and uh, I, I help out a lot with that. And so we were down there at a band competition, and one of the chaperones was owns a small business. And we get talking about this and that, and he says, yeah, I own my small business, and I'm kind of the IT guy. And I'm like, oh, do you have an IT guy? And he goes, no, not really, and I, I, I don't really want to do it anymore. And so, long story short, I have a meeting with him this Wednesday, and I'm hoping to get his business. So, in the weirdest places, just, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not saying constantly talk about your business. I'm just saying that always be open to talk about, you know, your business and what you can do, because as you meet new people, they might not even know. I've heard of this guy. I've heard he's a great gentleman. I know his daughter plays bass guitar in the band, but I have no, I didn't know anything about him. And now I meet him for the first time and in eight hours, I'm meeting him on Wednesday and we're going to talk about what we, what Obando can do, Obando Computing can do to support his business. So, yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy uh, eight months, seven months hoping to get back into Geeksters. Really want to get back into Geeksters, like I said at the beginning of the show. Thank you, everybody. Um, I was at the Unconvention in Washington, D.C. If you've never been to the Unconvention, I'm hoping it's going to be around next year. Please go. Um, if nothing else... It's just fun. Marvin and Mike Smith and Matt Rodella put this whole thing on this last time, and they did a fabulous job. Um, You get to just hang out with people. And I, I, you know, I got a chance to just hang out with all my friends, and it was a blast. Just an absolute blast. And I really, I do wish, and it's not, I don't, you know... I couldn't make it to the unconvention if it was twice a year, probably, because that's busy, but now that I have an employee, there's a chance that I could, but I wish that we could, we all live closer together. I think that, unfortunately for me, living over here on the Pacific Northwest, um, everybody's kind of East Coasty, and I wish I lived a little closer sometimes, because I really wish I could see these people more often, um, but for now, we'll have to hang out, we'll have to do Google Hangouts and chat and Voxer, um, so, but that's what I want, that's what I got for you guys today, um, uh, it's just a welcome back show, what have I been doing, what's uh, you know, what, what can I do? So guys, please, if you have any questions, I really want to, like I said, I want to get back into this. I want to be able to answer you guys' questions. So if you have any questions, um, I believe you can email geeksters at podnuts.com. You can also email me, martin at obandocomputing.com. I'm going to, I, I did step away from Facebook for a a bit. I actually canceled my account. And and if you want to hear that story, maybe that's something I'll bring up later on. But it was one of those decisions where I just, it was time for me to cancel my Facebook. I did realize I have an old one. Now, the problem is, is that as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, I have my business one on there. So, the business doesn't have a Facebook account. And I realized that a lot of people still use Facebook to connect um, through business. And I was kind of hoping Google Plus would take care of a lot of that, but it, it hasn't. Um, so, I'm working on trying to bring that back but um, and make it really more business-centric um, and just to stay close to some friends and family. So, but again... Another story for another time. So, what do I? Where am I going forward with Geeksters? Um, I've had a lot of people who say they would love to come on. Um, I've talked to Liam. I've talked to Matt Rainey. Um, I know John Dubinsky. I know Paco. Um, gosh, there's there's so many other people out there that that I, I just wanna I want to bring on and just have a just what was your day like or what was your week like in a tech and we can just have a talk about this and and um, I'm not sure I want to bring news stories on but right now. Um, I don't have a whole lot. I haven't, I've been keeping up with it, but I think that by the time I get to the show, like especially today, everybody knows about Kraken. Um, I don't know if you know or not, but Bitcoin hit $6,000. So happy, congratulations to everybody who has a Bitcoin. Uh, I do not, I wish I did. <laughs> but if you have a couple Bitcoins, then you're sitting on, uh, you know, a, a decent size of cash. I, and uh, so congratulations. But there's, that's where I want to go with, uh, with uh, Geeksters. Uh, Make it like I said—a life, a day in the tech, day in life, tech, whatever. Week in the tech, whatever. Um, So, thank you everybody for hanging out with me. Uh, Look forward to seeing you next time, or at least hearing you next time. Don't forget, support those who support you. Check out Podnuts.com. Check out the other shows, the other great shows that are on there. Um, Give a couple dollars if you can to to the Podnuts to help. Uh, with with just the, the back end stuff that goes on with making PodNuts um, a network that just keeps thriving and thriving and thriving um, and, and thanks to all of the hosts who do that uh, who keep going and weekly just jump on and take time out of their busy life um, I, I envy you <laughs> I want to be there I want to be able to take out time for my life uh, wait time for my day to come on anyways you guys know what I mean so alright everybody have a great great rest of the week I'm hoping to be back next week And hey, you know what? Don't forget to be gruntled. All right, guys. Talk to you later. This is Martin from PodNuts Pro. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast to be in your ears right now. (laughs) Don't forget to support all the other PodNuts shows on the PodNuts Network. And we cannot do this without you. So please, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, email us at podnutspro at podnuts.com.